This week, in a crazy turn of events, the F1 drivers are stepping out of their cars, they're putting their racing suits aside, and they're stepping onto the diamond for a classic game of baseball down in Mexico City. They're replacing the steering wheels with helmets and gloves. <laughs> of, at least that's our impression of the Mexico track, the Autodromo, right? It's a baseball stadium, right? Yeah. Welcome to Turn One, a Formula One podcast. and jeremiah welcome back to another turn one podcast race preview with your host jeremiah and thomas today we're going to talk about the autodromo hermanos Rodriguez as we go to mexico city this is one of the more fun tracks on the circuit because like baku and azerbaijan like jetta um like a couple others on the f1 calendar you got some really fast sections on this track, mainly that huge home straightaway at the Autodromo that is one of the longest, if not the longest, pure straight tracks. Like Baku's got a little bit of a curve here or there in it. This is just flat out for like a mile or so. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. I've got some stats on the miles per hour that we get into when we get here. We'll get to that in here in a little bit. But first, I do want to talk about the track layout. We have 17 turns, a lot of them very fast. Defining features, turn 13 enters an old baseball stadium, which is wild. I've got some other facts for you in that when we get down to fun facts, but I did want to mention that. The other thing is, so, you know, Formula E is starting to gain some traction. And, and so we're able now to compare the F1 circuits with the Formula E circuits because Formula E races on many of the same tracks that Formula One does, but they've kind of got to modify, you know, modify them to fit the Formula E style, the speed of these cars, the way that they maneuver through the tracks. The Formula One circuit at Autodromo Hermanos is 4.3 kilometers or just over 2.6 miles. The Formula E circuit 2.6 kilometers, 1.6 miles, almost half the distance. Why? Why? <laughs> they use they use the oval, which the F1 drivers don't even use because it's not part of the track layout whatsoever for F1. But they do use the oval with like a little tail that trails off at the end. And then also they just cut cut into the oval and made a chicane right in the middle of it. It's very small. I guess it's because, I mean, the cars aren't as fast. They're, you know, it's not going to be, it's super long if they try to do the entire F1 track. Is it because maybe too that home straightaway or that main straight is so long that the speed of the Formula E cars wouldn't be on showcase? Or is that burn too much battery power, them just going full out for that long, that significant part of a race? Probably both, because we know that the reason why Formula One hasn't made the transition to fully electric is because the power is just not there. The speed is just not there. So I would imagine that they hit that main straight in a Formula E car and they're probably maxing out within a couple seconds of being on the track or that straight. But just to wrap up the layout, the Formula One circuit, at least, this 
this doesn't go usually up in the top, you know, elites of, of tracks. It's not put up there with the Monaco's and, and things like that. But in terms of layout and design, this is a tough track to navigate. The first half of the track, like you mentioned, is f- pure speed because it's one straightaway. But then the back half of the track, super technical. You have a couple of different hairpins. You have a really fast chicane section that if you've ever tried to pull off on the F1 video games, it is almost impossible to stay on the track (laughs) (laughs) unless you lift and coast a little bit. And then, of course, you have that stadium section, which not only you come on from a full stop, you know, like you're going down a DRS section, fully slam on your brakes. Then you do a chicane through the stadium. You've got the fans screaming and yelling the last laps. You've got fireworks going off. It's an awesome setting that they built there in Mexico. As far as overall ambiance, that's that's the big kicker is the fact that these guys enter a old baseball stadium with all of the stands still there, still intact, and they're full of F1 fans just screaming at the top of their lungs. That's got to be a heck of an adrenaline boost as you go in there. I don't know if your Xbox does this, but every time you and I race in Mexico, whichever one finishes first, you know, the winner has the fireworks go off in the game as they're driving through. It always makes my game lag a little bit. So I'm like, oh, someone's going through the stadium. (laughs) (laughs) The fireworks are just too much processing power for it. What do you want to look at next? A little bit of uh, fastest lap? Yeah, I'll move into the fastest lap. For Formula One, set in 2021 by a Mr. Valtteri Bottas, he did a 1 minute 17.774, super fast, hasn't been beaten since, he was in that Mercedes, man, that's quick. And as always, we do the Porsche Cura Cup to compare so that you can see the speed differentials between Formula One and some of the other racing series out there, 1 minute 43.593. So here again, almost a 30 second gap between the Formula One cars and the Porsche Carrera Cup. And I think that falls within kind of our, our standard range of where the Porsche Cup is off of Formula One. And that makes sense. Like we looked at Coda last week, right? It's a track that incorporates both speed and technical elements. When you have that, the Porsche cars kind of fall in that third, you know, 20 to 30 second range of differential. It's only whenever you have a full on fast track that the gap gets closer or a full on technical track that the gap gets widened out a little bit more. So uh certainly interesting. Um I would be interested to see how quick those Porsche cars get on that straightaway because they're probably getting up close to their top speed, if not maxing out themselves. Oh, without a doubt on that straight. And, you know, one of the things that Formula One doesn't specialize in specifically is straight line speed. They are very adept at that. But because of the fact that they need to be able to go into the chicanes and stuff like that, they do have that downforce package. So they are limited in their top speed. That's not the case at this track, which is pretty cool. They have an elevation at this track of 7,342 feet, making it one of the highest tracks on the calendar. This is going to give the drivers kind of an advantage as teams can kind of run closer to Monaco specs where they have all of the downforce package and, and they trying to get as much drag, unfortunately gives you a bunch of drag, except because of this elevation, they don't have that drag problem. So they're able to run like Monza speeds, but with a Monaco setup, which is super crazy to me. And, you know, tying that to kind of the goal of our podcast, which was we're new, 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 newish fans to the, you know, to the sport at this point, there's still people that have been fans way longer than we have. It's been, you know, two years for us or so. And there is always that kind of that argument from the outsiders of the F1 community, like, oh, the Bugatti, you know, Sharon goes 40 miles an hour faster than an F1 car can. Yes, it can. The F1 cars aren't pure speed. Do they go faster? They go 200 plus miles an hour. Yes. 
but they're built with the turning aspect in mind. You line up a any Bugatti model in an F1 car on an F1 track, the F1 is smoking that thing. <laughs> Without a doubt, easily. It's not always about top speed. <laughs> no, no. How fast can you go around the circuit, which is the whole purpose behind these circuit-built cars? I want to get into some of the track history there. Uh, 2021 GP, we'll talk about 2021 and we'll talk about 2022 since they're the most recent years, the most recent races held. In 2021, we had Max Lewis and Sergio rounding out your top three. Kimi Raikkonen got his last points of his career finishing eighth. I thought that was pretty sweet, especially being in the Alfa Romeo. Finishing eighth was awesome. I forgot that he even went to Alfa Romeo. <laughs> yeah, 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 he did. For, for me, his career ends with Ferrari. <laughs> well, for most, it ends with Ferrari, considering that's where he got his championship. But he did go to Alfa Romeo for a few years where he even met a young Charles Leclerc. But in this 2021 GP, he finishes eighth in that Alfa Romeo, getting his last points, which is awesome. Perez became the first Mexican to get a podium in Mexico in 2021. I thought that was cool. I wanted to add that on here. This was before we were watching F1 Live. That was that was last year was our first year watching it. But we saw this play out on Drive to Survive, and that was a huge deal because they love that dude in Mexico. <laughs> oh, with that like, doubt. Like way more than we like Logan Sargent. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have more to cheer for, to be fair. Yeah, that is true. If we had like an Oscar Piastri, you know, type. Oh, dude, type guy. Height. Yeah, but we we have Logan Sargent. <laughs> <laughs> Max extends his lead in the championship over Lewis. So at this point, he already had the lead going into that 2021 uh, season at this race, but he just extends it even further winning this race with Lewis only coming in second. That's all I've got for 2021. I want to touch on 2022, a lot less action in terms of stuff to be able to talk about kind of big popping things that happened, but a couple things, Sergio jumps Leclerc in the driver's championship, which was sweet by the way, as this podium rounds out again, Max Lewis and Sergio Perez for two consecutive years. That, you know, I wonder what we'll see this year. I have a tough time believing that Sergio can be top three, but kind of like, you know, a major, you know, player in any other sport, football, basketball, whatever, when the time to shine is there, some guys just step up to the plate and do it. And maybe Sergio can get another podium this year. Oh, especially in front of your home crowd. Come on now. When all the little kids are in the crowd yelling Checo. And <laughs> so I've got some fun facts. I'm going to run through some of them. Maybe if you have anything else you might want to add, I want to talk a few. about the baseball stadium. Yeah. It's called the Foro Sol, which used to be used by a baseball team down there in Mexico city. It no longer is. And, uh, the only purpose that it serves now is for the actual racing that happens there and concerts with some of the notable performers, including Iron Maiden, Paul McCartney, Britney Spears, Metallica, Pink Floyd, Lady Gaga, Madonna, uh, Shakira, U2, and Ra Radiohead, and Guns N' Roses. These are all bands that have performed Excuse at you. the stadium. Excuse you. What? Taylor Swift. Oh, did I not say Taylor Swift? I'm sorry. Taylor no. Swift also performed <laughs> at this stadium. Big, big Swifties <laughs> on this podcast we are. We're bandwagon all the way. Whatever's going to get the views, folks. Let's go. <laughs> But no, that is that is probably, I mean, outside of just the atmosphere that the, the Mexico uh, fans create, 
the baseball stadium is the coolest aspect because it's the only track that drives through like a different stadium that is separate from the F1. <laughs> now, of course, they incorporate the grandstands into seating and all that, but it's not like the baseball stadium was made with the idea of it being part of an F1 circuit. <laughs> Dude, the adrenaline these drivers must feel as they enter into a stadium full of people to do this short little quick chicane and everybody's just yeah let's go you know cheering for whoever's going through it god that's got to be so cool and it was it was genius to put a chicane in it because the drivers spend six or seven seconds in that area yeah. by doing that chicane it's yeah. not just a fly through no you have to and slow early, down a lot for that chicane a lot and early on in our podcast so like eight or nine months ago we did an episode on what we like about tracks right like our least favorite tracks and the aspects that we liked about them and we called out the baseball stadium at autodromo hermanos rodriguez as being one of those defining features and we said if they ever do like another dallas grand prix which if 1984 was any indication they won't but if they ever do another dallas grand prix run the thing through cowboy stadium and put a big chicane in the middle of the thing I mean, you would fill that with 100,000 people just right there. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Now, granted, that would mean it's in Arlington and not Dallas, but that's fine. Who cares? We'll still claim they've it. Been, they've been skirting that line for years. Yeah, I mean, they're called the Dallas Cowboys, and they play in Arlington, so. Uh, before you get to your next ones, I have a couple questions for you. Okay. If you were to guess which engine manufacturer has the most wins at this circuit, who would you guess? Oh man. Engine manufacturer. Engine manufacturer. Max has won the last two. I'm gonna go with Honda. It is Honda. Right. I thought that was so out of left field. I would have thought, you know, Mercedes or Ferrari or even Ford, because Ford had a major play early on in Formula One. But no, Honda number one with five wins. Then you have a tie for second between tie for second with three wins each ford mercedes and climax i've never ever in my <laughs> life heard 1962 that. through 1964 climax the engines won three uh, mexican grand prix well done last question for you if you had to guess who's tied at the top for constructors in terms of most wins at this track who would you guess there's two with four wins each okay so that can't be a red bull then uh, two with four wins each. I'm going to go Ferrari and this track's been a lot around forever. So McLaren. Incorrect. Mm. Ferrari has only won twice, 1970 and 1990. McLaren has won three times, 69, 88 and 89. So who no has modern, four each? No modern wins. Get ready for this. Lotus, 62, 63, 67, and 68, four wins. And Red Bull, you called out two of Max Verstappen's wins, but not his other two wins, 2017 and oh, 2018. Before, they, before that break that they had where it wasn't on the calendar. Dang it. Yep. So Max Verstappen has single-handedly put Red Bull at the top of wins tied with Lotus. All right. <laughs> and then, of course, Mercedes has three as well, 2015, 16, and 19. Pretty much every year that Red Bull hasn't won it, they were right. winning it. So, yeah, I just found that super interesting that, that you have Honda at the top of the engine manufacturers for a race. I think that's rare. I could be wrong, but Honda is usually not at the top of the list in F1 statistics. 
and then you had Red Bull and Lotus dominating all the other historic constructors in terms of performance of this year. Especially for Ferrari hasn't won this race in 33 years. Oh no! <laughs> now, granted, they haven't been running it consistently, but still, <laughs> that's rough. Okay, what do you have for for final facts? Final facts, I've got the modern F1 cars reaching top speeds of about 230 miles per Goodness. hour around this track, which is absolutely ridiculous. That's Monza numbers, 100%. Isn't, isn't Valtteri's top speed at this track like 131 or so? Was it this track that he hit it? It might have been. I'll look it up real quick while you hit the next one. 231, not 131? Yeah, two, no, definitely not 131. <laughs> My final fact that I have for you was actually about the conception of this track. So this track was actually designed as a thesis by a student named Oscar Fernandez back in 1953. I thought that that was wild. Absolutely ridiculous that somebody was like, you know what? I'm going to do an academic paper about this. Right. That's something that you would pull off. You would be like, you know what? How do I get around actually having to do some kind of... <laughs> oh, yeah. I would make my entire project around something fun like that, designing an F1 track. And then with my luck, I definitely wouldn't have the track actually come into conception. But kudos to that man. And just to to bring it back to our last note on, on top speed, it was the 2016 Mexican Grand Prix. Valtteri Botas recorded 231.4. Jeez. On that, that main straightaway. That talked about. So we talked about this. I, you know, I think Baku might actually be longer, but because it's not fully flat out, or maybe there's something to do with the temperature or the track surface, they just go faster in Mexico. <laughs> it's about the elevation. We talked about this. The 7,342 feet up in the air, they're able to run those very, very strong in cornerings uh, setups like a Monaco setup or something like that. But we will have that reduced drag thanks to the elevation because that thin air isn't really going to make a difference on the, on the aerodynamics and all the drag. So you will get those insane top speeds of Monza, which I just love about this track. Okay. You ready to uh, put ourselves out there again, where we've been a hundred percent wrong or yeah, not a hundred percent wrong, but not really right either. <laughs> Hey, I got two, we I got two out of three last week. I don't know what you're talking about. I know. We just need to get three out of three one of these weeks. All right. All don't right, put Oscar Piastri number one then. Let's hear what you got. Um, he's not even going to be mentioned. What are, your, what are your top three? Me? Yeah. What are your top three? Give me, for the third year in a row, Verstappen, Hamilton, and Sergio Checo Perez. You know, the the... Obviously, Hamilton, you could go back and forth on that number two spot. It Could it be a McLaren? Could it be a Ferrari? whatever, but I think Hamilton's a solid two pick there. Sergio is the real wild card here, right? Because he hasn't been performing at a podium level for a while this year. I mean, it's been super inconsistent outside of the first half of the year when he had two wins, he just fell off when, when Max really got into form, Sergio fell off in his recovery drives while they've been good in getting points. They haven't been elite in getting podium points, right? So that's the wild card. So Jeremiah goes for Stappen, Hamilton, Perez, Give me Max to win. I'm not going to put Norris or Pia. I've, I've had my McLaren run. Look, I was a McLaren fan for two and a half weeks. I'm done with it. I'm going back to my Red Bull team that consistently wins. Yeah, obviously. Give me Verstappen one. In the third spot, let me skip number two for a second. In this third spot, give me Lando Norris. The dude has been performing. He's been losing a little bit at the end of the race, whether it be to his own teammate or whether it be to Lewis Hamilton. 
let's say that he pieces it together in Mexico. Give me Norris in the third spot. Okay. And in the two spot, do I go Hamilton? Do I go Leclerc? Do I go Signs? Give me the hometown kid, Checo Perez, oh. with the silver medal. <laughs> For his highest finish ever. Red Bull is pulling out all the stops. They are going to do everything in their power to get that guy on the podium. When Sergio starts high, he finishes high. If he can have a good quality performance, there's no sprint, right? Like there's no, no sprint it's a race. regular weekend. Regular weekend. They can do all their regular stuff with the car. They can get him in great position to quality. Well, maybe they can get max to give him a little slipstream, a little, a little drift, a little something in qualifying, put Sergio in the top two on the grid. And he finishes in the top two because he is after all the minister of defense. All right. All right. I'm here for it. Look, man, I, I root for the hometown team. I don't know what you're doing. Put him in third. That's disrespectful at this it's, point. It's a podium. He hasn't had a podium in a fortnight. After I just finished a 10 minute tirade about him not finishing high <laughs> enough. In the points. All right. What do you expect out of this race? I only have one expectation for this race. I want to see both Aston Martins in the points. That's my thing for this. Lance Stroll had a strong finish at the end of last race. I want to see him continue his form at least get 10th, man. Come on. And Fernando Alonso, he was on pace to get an awesome recovery drive last week before his car crapped out on him. So give me both Aston Martins in the points in Mexico City. Okay, let me take the more realistic approach. <laughs> give me one Aston Martin and give me one Alpine in the points. Jeez. Neither of both. Uh, we we both in the past couple of weeks both predicted, you know, double Aston Martin points finishes, double Alpine points finishes. No, one each. That's all they can manage to pull off ever. <laughs> and give me uh, an AlphaTauri as well, sneaking into the points. You know, we've seen um, Yuki doing middle of the road. So middle of the road usually can get you in the 10th spot sometimes. And who knows, maybe Daniel Ricardo just needed one week to get things back, you know, in Austin and Coda, get get the wheel, the feel back under his wrist that he broke a couple weeks ago. Maybe he has a better result in Mexico and puts it in the points. Outside of that, I don't expect any huge shakeups. I think our top finishers are still going to be the Red Bulls, the McLarens, the Mercedes. There's going to be some fighting between Mercedes and McLaren. Ferrari might work their way into a fight. Who knows? Um, but I think, I think throughout the rest of the season, pretty much form is going to hold unless we have some major technical shakeups, like the McLarens have to start from the pit lane, like the Aston Martins did last week or something like that. That's really going to throw a wrench in the results. But I think we're kind of seeing where this year is going to play out. Oh, and finally, as always, give me Albon in the points. <laughs> did he get points in USGP? Yeah. Both Williams. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Barely. Look at Sergeant. Look at that. <laughs> Don't give me Sergeant in the points. I'm, I'm not saying that. The guy that predicted him to have five points finishes hey, and now backing away one. from any and all points finishes. He got one. <laughs> Just needs to finish the last five races. Look, man, I expected more from the kid. I did. I did not expect that to happen. This has been a rough year for him. <laughs> Uh, all right, so check us out on uh, our social media. We are trying to get a lot more into the short-form videos. We're posting TikToks uh, a couple times a week now. We're posting YouTube shorts, some Instagram reels. Check us out on there. It's different than the content that we put on here. It's not uh, storytelling or, or anything like that. It's fun and games and bringing up quick-hitting topics like who's bringing upgrades to certain races or what upgrades have played out for teams. So check us out on there. You can um, also obviously watch the race and qualifying Saturday and Sunday this week, and then join us next week for a recap 
And then we have, I think, a week off before we go to the Brazilian Grand Prix, I believe. The Autodromo Jose Carlos Passe. All right. What do you got for him this week? Guys, I don't know if you're going to be on the same boat as me in this one, but I hope that you are when I say that Alpha Tari just might win a race this year. In fact, they just might win in Brazil. So not this week. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys. Bye, guys.